0: uh uh-huh. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Country Central Podcast. So we had kind of a funny thing happen um, earlier this week. One of our boys, uh, Brandon, brought this song to our attention that I had like at least personally never heard of. Um, it's called uh, This Miller Light of Mine. And it's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, it's a like reinterpretation of This Little Light of Mine as like a Saturday night like bro country drinking song. And so we gave it kind of a scathing review and we had a good time doing that. And I thought it was kind of going to be just a flash in the pan thing, because I didn't hear anybody else really talking about it. But then not like five days later, we came across this other song called The Wheels on the Truck, which once again, as the title suggests, is a homage to The Wheels on the Bus. So all of a sudden, I'm like... What's going on with these bro country like revival songs um, that are reinterpreting like classic nursery rhymes? I mean, the joke I made was who's going to make the Itsy Bitsy Spider next week. But it did get me thinking about the, the samples that are used in country music because it's definitely more of a thing than it was like 10 years ago to sample songs like hip hop does and things like that. And also just like novelty songs in general. Because country music has always had a sense of humor and it's something I've always loved about, you know, our style of music. And I know that you know there are awesome artists out there who do it better than this Miller Light of Mine and the wheels on the truck. So really, in this episode, in kind of a tongue-in-cheek, good-natured way, I want to kind of highlight that stuff. But first, um, I've got Ben and Ryan right here. I want to play a little game with y'all, where I'm going to give you a sample in country music, and you're going to tell me if it was a hit or a miss. If they, they nailed the sample and the song ended up being like Kanye tier production, or if it was a bit of a dud you know So the first one kind of the most obvious one, kind of the song of the summer this year. Uh, she had me at Heads Carolina. It's Cole Swindell sampling Jody Messina. Uh, what do y'all think? Hit or miss?
1: I mean <clears throat>
0: I'd say out of
1: many probably most we will hear today, it's a hit just because it's a song that people love for so long but it hadn't been it hadn't been forgotten but we hadn't been reminded of it in a, in a long time. And it was done in a fresh way, you know, with the whole storyline.
2: Mm-hmm. It's definitely a hit. And it's definitely a tasteful hit in the sense that Jody Messina comes from a, a fan base that, you know, not to knock on them, would probably gatekeep a bit more than others. And it's, I think it was done definitely very tastefully, definitely a really well, uh, really smart homage to the whole concept of that song. So definitely a hit.
0: Next one, hard to forget, Sam Hunt, um, sampling Webb Pierce's There Stands the Glass from like the 60s. Oh man, so I would say personally for me it's
1: a miss, but it it's it's a hit because damn, like that was cool. That was very well done. Like for me, like that album was is forgettable, and like I don't know, just the way Sam Hunt does things is is weird to me. But yes, when that song came out, that's a really cool, fresh way to throwback or to go back in time, you know, to call back something that has already occurred or was a famous hit. So I thought that was a really cool way. And why Sam Hunt still, in my opinion, no matter how much we hate on him at times, the guy's really creative. So give him props, that's an example.
2: I'm going to go miss on this kind of just, I think it comes down to Sam Hunt's branding. Um, the execution was, was definitely something to, to raise an eyebrow. At. It was definitely something to take note of, but, um, but honestly, it comes down to Sam Hunt's branding and, it, you know, it's he's one of those people you have to take the time out of your day to go look for the hidden gems. Um, yeah, I'm just going to see a little sour on this one.
0: Yeah, that one reminded me of the 90s quite a bit, like a Mo Money Mo Problems or something like that, um, the way they mixed up the vocals. But next one, sampling both uh, Sweet Home Alabama and werewolves of london by warren zivon uh all summer long by kid rock i mean that was a hit it was it was just i think it was like
1: a cultural hit at the time you know what i mean it just was defined summer like when it was a hit um and yeah i think kid rock has lived so many different lives it seems like so many different personas and that was kind of a a rebirth of his, in a sense, you know what I mean? So, absolutely huge hit. The way he, I mean, people think that's a Kid Rock song now, you know what I mean? So, that was massive scale.
2: I have to agree, absolutely. I think it's a hit. And definitely on the point that, you know, a lot of people will start – mistaking Sweet Home Alabama and All Summer Long I mean I when I was like when I was real little and I was still gullible still trying to figure out what music was you know I got him interchange. I'll be the first to admit I was I was that gullible I was that kid but you know Kid Rock definitely kind of he wrote that song for a long time um but credit where credit is due that is just a fun song it's one of those songs you just it it, you want to enjoy you want to live up in that moment so I gotta gotta smash that hit button
0: Right on. Yeah. Now, Kid Rock definitely had like a little bit of a country rebirth when he was known as like the grungy rock guy in the 90s. He came around and he did picture with Sheryl Crow and all of those. It was a really cool era in general. Next one, uh, more recent for sure. David Morris sampling George Strait the King himself carrying your love. Thoughts? It's, uh, like, I mean, I've already said it many times. I'm not, I'm not
1: of the TikTok generation, but this is a miss for me regardless. Just that's it. It's just a miss. That's all I got to say.
2: <laughs> I mean, just I mean, maybe I am that TikTok generation, but I'm still I'm I'm missing on it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those songs you you want to go out and say teach their own. It's there. You know, if they like it, they like it. But it's just it, it's short, straight. It's really hard to take someone as, you know, pure traditional, that kind of softer country music and just and put a beat on it like that. It's really hard and I I don't think it happened here. Um, hard miss. It's kind of, you know, when I first heard it, it was really loud, kind of obnoxious. And, you know, just because I hear it all the time on, on TikTok now, it's kind of just fit into the background but it doesn't mean i'm enjoying it i'm more just tolerating it at this point
0: yeah i think we're all in consensus on this one A uh, next one from about four years ago uh jake owen doing uh john cougar mellencamp um i was jack you were diane i don't know i i just think maybe i
1: want i wish there was like a side genre where it's like heartland rock slash country was just a thing Cause I just love that style and like the production on that was awesome. And that was a hit for me, even like, though I love the, you know, the source material, like um, John Mellencamp, but Jake Owen did that really well. And even though I don't know if that song is going to be like this huge moment that Jake will be remembered for like when it came out, I was like, that was really well done. It makes me want to listen to the old song, but it's also a song that I think would play well and like a live set for Jake Owen.
2: I think it's a hit and partly just because of how catchy the the Jake Owen song and how catchy the original song is. Um, You know, it's up there to the top five, top 10 on Spotify for Jake Owen. So it's one of those first songs people listen to when they discover Jake Owen. So when you have that that, that catchy sense pop ability um, for a song like that, I think it's going to do jack owen really well as far as a test of time um but i'm gonna you know i still agree with ben on this one it's a hit it's fun you know there's there's definitely a good amount of parallels between uh each song and i really you know it's you listen to jack owens and you're just like all right that was fun let me go see the original and it's it's, it's a really pleasurable uh, experience to go back and forth
0: Yeah, I have to agree on that one. I feel like in the same way, there are definitely a lot of parallels between like Heartland Rock from the late 70s and early 80s and like modern radio country. I think they kind of like occupy a similar place in like the cultural zeitgeist a little bit. It's kind of just about fun, catchy songs. Sometimes it gets a little deep, but that's not always like the focus with this kind of radio music. But yeah, I thought it was great. And I especially like the fact that they didn't use the like melody of the verses or the chorus. It was just like the way they mixed in those guitar parts. But anyway, next one, a little more recent and definitely not quite as well known, but I know this was a favorite around here. Uh, Midnight Rider's Prayer by Brothers Osborne doing On the Road Again uh, by Willie. So, I mean, we've heard,
1: I mean, On the Road Again to me it's not like sacred in the sense that it should never be covered, like some gatekeepers may claim. But I mean, after hearing, I think there was like a CMA, like an award ACM award one, where it was like a, a bunch of people, like various artists, did in like just super uneven. But like this one, Brothers Osborne, like they they chose their theme, and just kind of their darker like guitar driven vibe was awesome in my opinion. So it just it just plays into just their band and group that. You know no matter what they do you know they'll always do it justice but in their own unique style yet i also respect and go back to the original source material so not unlike the bigger covers we've seen like uh like the one morgan wallen has done or what or whatnot like those make you not just appreciate the original stuff but also be like man this this current cover may be on par in my opinion so i'd say it's a hit
2: yeah. So I raved about this one, um, in singer reviews when it first came out, uh, a while ago. And I, I, I really love staying true to that notion that I originally expressed. Um, I just think the sentiment of, you know, the, the brothers concept between them two is really interesting and really fun. The way that they're able to go brothers till the end in the bridge towards the end of the song is just, it's so unique and so clever. um, you know, the original song is one of those songs that you can really interpret it in so many different ways, bring it forward to so many different themes. And, you know, like Ben said, with a dark guitar for, for their kind of style. Um, you know, it's a really, really interesting contrast because the original is this kind of, I don't want to say fluffy, but more open, open in the air kind of tune that, uh, that Willie Nelson is known for. So for a group like Brothers Osborne to come in and kind of just tear it all apart and reverse engineer it, but still be so delicate with it and do it really well. Um, It's just so much fun to watch. So, I'm staying true and I'm giving it a hit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Just got a couple more. Coming Home by Keith Urban and Julia Michaels, and they sampled Mama Tried by Merle Haggard. Man, and I think we spoke about Keith, you know,
1: maybe an episode or two ago. And coming home, that was just on the tail end where, like, I was always giving Keith the benefit of the doubt because he's catchy and upbeat. But coming home, it's just like it, it's almost he collaborated just to collaborate. You know what I mean? Like, I think Julio Michaels is an incredibly talented singer and songwriter. And but I don't know if anyone ever cared to hear both of them on a track. I don't know. They're just. There's could have been a more creative way to tell the story they wanted, and then maybe that's the thing. Maybe they if they had a creative way to allude to their sample and make a story out of it. There just there was no like real. There's nothing that any fan could you know like latch onto in that song. So that that to me is a pretty big miss, and it's kind of been Keith Urban's uh, story the past you know few releases unfortunately
2: yeah you definitely bring up a good point at the time that the song came out you really wanted to kind of hold out any and all hope for Keith Urban that you had you know because he was he was so dominant he was he was the guy you know in the late 2000 early 10s when he was having his moment so you know when the song came out you kind of wanted to hold hope for him but it just ended up not really playing well not really doing anyone justice not really doing the song itself justice. Definitely not doing moral, moral haggard justice by any means. Um, so it's a miss. It was just it was that awkward point in time that you know it happened. We kind of gave it a side eye and kind of just moved on, and rightfully so.
0: Now, most definitely, the last one I want to do, um, probably the most recent one on this list, but it's not dancing in the moonlight. It's Dance in the moonlight by Chris Lane and Lauren Elena. Yeah,
1: I mean, and, and I, I love these people, but like that's just another song that I mean, I just didn't get the theme or if the, if I don't know if there was an occasion really to release around and maybe there is right I think they released it and not long after Lauren Lena you know and then announced that she's on a new record label so maybe it served its purpose there but that's a song to me it does, it's it's a miss only because it's kind of confusing there was did not make a lot of sense to me. I don't know. It wasn't, they doesn't, they don't sing poorly or anything like
2: that, but some songs just don't make sense. And that's, that's one for me. You know, I agree. It's definitely, it's, it's an interesting song. It's definitely something that, you know, if you understand it, you'll, you'll appreciate it to an extent, but it comes at a point in time where Lauren Land is kind of still in this awkward spot because she had, you know, she has some of her solo stuff, But she's still at a point in time where she's got so many duets. And if I'm looking at her list of duets, the only one that's really memorable is the John Party song. And that's just because, you know, John Party is who he is, you know, right? Yeah, it was
0: a bit ironic with that one because the production was definitely bigger than the King Harvest original, um, which and that one just had like a little like beep boopy keyboard and a bass and a little drum and that was about it. And this one had like such big like radio country like wall of sound, like we like to say production. And despite that, I mean it really didn't do it any favors. Um interested to see if Chris Lane moves on with that as like the next single or what. It could definitely be a a fitting introduction for and Elena on the Big Loud record. But I mean, like we said, she has way too many duets. She needs to put a, out something that's her own. And I would like to see that happen. Um, so the next thing I wanted to break into, um, still in the spirit of this Miller Light of Mine, um, talking about kind of the best novelty songs in country music. Because like I was saying, we know they're out there. There are some absolute gems. But one I wanted to lead off with, and this could very well be, like the most legendary novelty song of all time, which is interesting because it's only like three years old. And it's a George Strait song. And it's the last song on his uh, most recent record, um, Every Little Honky Tonk Bar. No, it was Honky Tonk Time Machine. That was the name of the album. Uh, But the song is about how he's kind of lamenting. He never got to sing with Willie. He's seen Willie sing with all these different people. He's duetted with a lot of folks himself. But he, George Strait, has never sung a duet with Willie Nelson. And that's the name of the song, Sing One with Willie. And so that's the first two verses in the chorus. And then Willie Nelson comes in there and he's like, you know what? I wish I got to sing with George Strait. I I wish that that would have happened back in the day. And that would have been really cool. And... This this little moment of nostalgia for the two of them, where in kind of the twilight years of their respective careers, they're coming together and getting to achieve this um, this little milestone, this thing that they all they both wanted to do in this uh, this novel little tune, was absolutely perfect to me. It was almost kind of a touching moment, and I hadn't heard of it until about a year ago when a buddy who's like a diehard Willie guy turned me onto it. And this was like one of the first ones I thought of when I was prepping for this episode. Yeah, I mean back back during a time
1: when a do du- I mean and this is and since this is like a, one of like George's latest releases, it was still though two guys that just wouldn't record a duet or a collaboration just to do it, you know? Something like that isn't forced. And also, it's just it, it, just even though nowadays it's easy to record and do, and all that good stuff, Willie and George Strait they just don't record just to to do it you know what I mean so for them to be like they're gonna he's doing a collaboration of some sort that's like a big deal for George Strait so I think that's just a that's a cool concept for like a novelty song it wasn't like a throwaway duet it was something that you know it was playful but but it was meaningful for fans that like that value real country music and those two artists so I mean, you just don't get that anymore these days you, with the flood of duets and collaborations. That's kind of getting distilled um, for better, for worse.
0: No, most definitely. I think that was what I liked most about this. Like it was definitely for Lols, so to speak, but it had real significance for the two of them as well. So I mentioned that one is like um, maybe the best novelty song And there were honestly like a lot of Willie songs I could have chosen um, to represent him on this list. Will Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die was definitely one or It's All Going to Pot. A lot of pot songs, Uh, even Beer for My Horses with Toby Keith, which is just like extolling capital punishment. But I did want to make sure I, I mentioned that as like maybe the best one. But this next one right here is my favorite for sure. And that's uh, Parked Out by the Lake. And the dude who did it, his name is Dustin Christensen. Uh, he never really like broke out as an artist of his own, but... The song was called like a motel hut or something like that. And it had this lyric at the very beginning, I'm parked out by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe. And so he and his producer, they were just like goofing around in the studio and they sang the entire song to that melody with just that lyric. And they put it out under the name Dean Summerwind. And the song like totally made waves in 2018. And it was like the most fun moment in country music. I mean, the dude went on the Bobby Bones show just to sing, I'm parked out by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe over and over to the tune of his actual song and it was like the funniest gag i remember ryan heard i um, tweeting at the end of the year like man parked out by the lake did not get get its due on country radio and it, it was so perfect for me i continue to laugh at it to this day it's just an absolute hoot and that's a funny thing to
1: bring up jacks that's still around the time where like tiktok is like gonna start to blow up and just how artists can be creative and, like, put just a hook, a reversing chorus out there and just see the reaction. Like, that, that just wasn't a normal thing, especially in country, to do. Because this person, like, dude, like, we haven't heard about this person ever since. So maybe they still were able to get a career out of it. But it's really cool the way that novelty played. It was significant because, like, TikTok wasn't the norm, in my opinion, where people were just, like, lip singing to, like, the big hook in their song that got everyone caught and, you know, hooked up into it. Whereas this one we're hearing it and a lot of people heard it like on YouTube and that was the first place. And it got to the radio and you said the Bobby Bones show. So it's just wild to look back and see how viral things played back then compared to today. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, that was once upon a time where, Man, just very pure <laughs> written song. And I don't know. Do, I mean, I'm sure if some TikToker found it today or sang that today, they they could still maybe get a little more attention than <laughs> they're experiencing currently.
2: I think the funniest part about the whole the whole concept of the song is, you know, when it becomes as relevant as it did, you know, with Bobby Bones and then Ryan heard tweeting about it. It's kind of that, that inside joke within kind of country music like from the outside country music gets this rap like it's all stupid shallow songs so when the stupid shallow song becomes this kind of prevalent joke we can't help but just enjoy and laugh at it like just kind of give everyone else who looks down on country music the finger because like you know we have our opportunity to be stupid and shallow and we kind of make fun of make fun of it and just all it's just it's hilarious how some of these people will take these kind of stupid jokes that are meant to be a joke but then it becomes something more than just a joke.
0: Yeah, I have to mention as well, as much attention as that song got within country music, and I think a lot of industry folks kind of cringed a little bit because I know Trago from Saving Country Music observed this point that the song could even be like a little dig at a lot of Nashville songs of the time that it doesn't really matter what they're singing about as long as they sound a certain way. But uh, I think the most significant clout that particular song got in its time was Brendan Yo. From Panic at the Disco, talking about it on a live stream and just freaking out to this song to a big audience of people who do not interface with country music on a regular basis. So the fact that it like kind of extended beyond just our little bubble was fun as well. Um, Another song that I feel like has to be mentioned on this list is Johnny Cash and a boy named Sue. And if you know anything about the song, you know that. Originally, it was a Shel Silverstein poem. A lot of us read like The Light in the Attic book when we were kids with all those little poems. Um, This was a poem by him where this dad saddled this boy with the name Sue. And his entire life, I mean, it was a burden to him because he got picked on by the dudes for having a, a girl's name. And he found out... You know, when he grew up that his dad gave him that name to make him tough. And it was kind of an awkward um, storyline. But uh, Johnny Cash played it at the Grand Ole Opry. It was like something of a hit for sure. And like a weird hallmark of his career. And... Uh, it was in a time where I think country music was still like breaking out into mainstream music in general and novelty songs were uh, still becoming a part of the genre in the way that the, excuse me, in the way that they are now. But this could very well have been like the first novelty song in country music. And I think it's very funny.
1: Well, I think it's cool that you point out to be like the, like maybe country music's first novelty song. Cause it's done in like a country theme all right where there's there's levels to that lyric there's something a little deeper to it and like that's what the goodness the beautiful thing about a lot of country songs is that it may be like a simple hook there may even be like a throwaway hook to some people but to another person like there can be like a deeper meaning to it so I mean agreed I think it's not something that (laughs) on first you know look or glance at the title you're always curious to hear what you're going to get out of it but I mean, just just done a, a very country way, and just one of the greats to do that. I mean, I think it just set a good foundation for country music. So it, it's not surprising that people lament some like the lyrical quality in country music nowadays. When you have like one of the greatest to ever do it to literally write a song about, I gave you a, a, the name of like a, of like a girl like to toughen you up this and that. Like there's always something. That makes you stop as a fan today to be like, hey, like, damn, they were, we're really tackling some like interesting and deep topics back then, you know. So compared to, to, to today, I mean, usually it's just some beer drinking songs. So there, it's, no, it's not it comes as no surprise why people always question like, hey, like, do we need to get back to some quality um, instead of quantity here in country music? But yeah, definitely good pick.
2: I think I just re- really want to real quickly say that you know. Someone as serious and deep as Johnny Cash can make a song like that. It's just it's interesting to see how someone as deep as Johnny Cash can go out and make a uh, a song like that. But then, to Ben's point, you really does have that hidden meaning. So I think that just speaks volumes to Johnny Cash as as an artist, as a songwriter, um, and as a storyteller. Ultimately, like like you like you said, Jack, it is ultimately that that Shel Silverstein poem. So when Johnny Cash can take something as legendary and specific as that poem and turn it to something else, I just, that just blows my mind that someone can have that kind of creativity in their brain.
0: Yeah, Cash absolutely had a sense of humor. Um I don't know if y'all watched the um Ken Bones country music documentary from like 2019 when that was kind of like buzzing. Uh but when I was like watching that and I saw like clips of his talk show from the 1980s, I was like, "My gosh, beyond just being like a great performer, the dude Absolutely has um, just so much gravitas and charisma and a sense of humor absolutely comes with that. I thought that, I mean, if anyone was going to deliver this song back in the day and kind of have a tongue in cheek moment with it, it would absolutely be him. He is a fantastic deadpan. He's so great one song that I do want to mention, and I think that Christmas music kind of gets a bad rap for being like a little too novel and a little too silly. But some of our favorites uh, made a Christmas song a couple of years ago. And I do believe that it stands out as like one of the best novelty songs, at least from the last couple of years. That's Florida Georgia Line and Lit This Year. Uh, it's a goofy lyric, but that Christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year. The the whole song being built around that, and it's kind of a grandma got run over by a reindeer type of idea. It's really fun, and it's really funny. And I think that and Christmas music should um, get some props for being a
2: little witty and novel like that. You know, at face value, you, know, you want to cringe and look away just because of Florida Georgia Line. But, you know... Credit where credit is due. It's clever. It's it's funny. But but that's kind of it. If there was if there was a person in Nashville that I would expect to make this song, it would be Florida Georgia Line. Um, you know, it's kind of a shame that it was at the kind of decline of their career per se. You, you can't help but just laugh and just you know enjoy the the stupidness that is that song and and the stupidness that was that point in their career. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how
1: I feel about it. I feel like what this came out in 2020, it just was, and I'm just looking at who was involved with it. It just was the point where FGL's maybe always been very corporatized and whatnot, but like just to the point where they're like, okay, hey, we we need to have a Christmas release. They just were pretty much checking the boxes off for like the style of releases, the amount they need to release around a certain album cycle to like fulfill obligations or whatever it may be. But just this was. The most lifeless you can get, Florida Georgia Line at I feel at this point in their career. So it, it's interesting, but agreed. I think I'm always reminded of I like both sides of like holiday music. Cause I do agree they're very novel and can be boring at times because like sometimes they can be sleep inducing with just the piano laden and like a lot of the you know string instruments and whatnot, but. But I remember like song, like joke songs and like I remember growing up like listening to Blink One Eighty Two. Like they do like Christmas songs and they'd be complete joke songs, but they'd be like really like upbeat and like they would just give you another excuse to listen to holiday music that wouldn't be for like the traditional reasons. So I guess this this for joke account, but that's something that maybe we could get more of or we we'd welcome more of is like hey like. Let's get like a random, an up-and-coming artist, maybe like a hearty Christmas album. Like that would sound almost stereotypical at this point, but that could be something funny or interesting, you know, in the genre. So Country could use a little more of that, in my opinion.
0: No, I agree. I love that you brought up Blink-182 because Won't Be Home for Christmas is definitely on my annual playlist. Such good stuff. Want to throw out some honorable mentions real fast. Um, Basically, the whole uh, early 2000s output from Brad Paisley and Toby Keith and As Good As I Once Was, Online, Celebrity, all those jams. Also, TMZ by Weird Al. Um, I wanted to squeeze in just as the king of novelty cover songs and stuff like that. Uh, we couldn't go without mentioning that but y'all we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us as always um, you can check out countrycentralshop.com to get the camo country central cap we have the brand it's the coolest thing out there and as always we'll catch you on instagram at country central all week long and we'll see you with another episode next week
2: mm-hmm.